Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Okay, can you guys hear me now? Hopefully. I'm going to keep talking, and hopefully you can hear me. Um, okay, so just to reiterate what we were talking about before. Um, sorry about that, guys. I don't know what happened. But, well, sorry. <laughs> there's always something. I feel like every time I do this, there's some kind of technical difficulty. So I'm sorry that we had a bit of an issue at the start. So I will go back over what I was talking about. Um, Shane Moon on Twitter asked what Liam Hughes has looked like at camp. And I um, unfortunately have not been able to attend any of the camp sessions because of my pesky full-time job that I'm forced to keep because of our capitalistic society. Um, so I don't have any firsthand insight into how he's looked, but two of the people who I trust the most to evaluate this kind of thing, Maddie Campbell from Broad Street Hockey and Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic and Broad Street Hockey Radio, um, they've both been attending rookie camp. Um, so they got to look at him and neither one of them really had anything to say about him. So I'm assuming that Liam Hughes can be summed up as um, unremarkable, which doesn't really surprise me because like there's like a, a whole bunch of bodies in front of him and he's not been a guy that's really been on anyone's radar. Um, so I, I wasn't really expecting to see a lot from him or to, um, you know, for him to make that big of a splash. I guess it's always possible, but um, yeah, based on the reports of both Maddie and Charles, I would say that Liam Hughes is just kind of a guy who's there. He's been given a shot. Maybe something will happen later, but so far, um, he's just a guy. Um, hey, Steph Driver. We had some technical difficulties, so we're on round two of Saturday morning scrambles, but we are getting it done and doing our best. Okay. So back to the Twitter questions. Um, Brian Knight, who I believe is here with us, asked a couple of questions that I think would be fun to answer. Um, first up, are the Ottawa Senators a dumpster fire or an unmitigated disaster? I would say why not both, Brian? Because um, I'm not sure how they could possibly be any worse than they are. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I don't know how you have an asset as highly valued as Eric Carlson and somehow uh, screw it up. Um, I know there were some like mixed reviews on the trade that they made with the Sharks. Um, I know like Tyler Dello from The Athletic was kind of hinting that the return that they got was not as bad as people were making it out to be. Um, but it wasn't great. I mean, you would expect that for a guy like Eric Carlson, you're going to get at the very least a prospect that's almost guaranteed to be an impact player at the NHL level. And they certainly didn't get that. And they also somehow still made it out of this whole mess without a single first round pick in 2019 which is remarkable. Like, I, 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 I don't know how. I don't know how they're so bad at this. Um, I mean, part of it is the fact, and this is something that I think a lot of Flyers fans who were complaining about the fact that Ron Hextall didn't go out and get Eric Carlson as though that was a thing he could have done. Um, Pierre Dorian does not trade within his conference. It's a thing. Like, he doesn't do it. Um, and that's part of the reason why the assets that they've traded over the last couple of months have not brought them 
maximum return because they limit themselves, um, which is very stupid. And you've also got to remember that Eric Carlson had a say in where he was going to go because of his, um, I think he had a limited no move, something, either way. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Ottawa Senators are, I mean, it's hard to compete with uh, Peter Shirelli on Edmonton for best way to run a team that had some promise into the ground. But uh, the Ottawa Senators have decided to take that crown from him. Um, I would say if I had to choose, they would be the most poorly run organization in the league and kind of an embarrassment. And that video that Melnick put out was weird and, and creepy and disingenuous and terrible. And I just, I, I feel really bad for their fans because there's just, there's not a lot of now for them to be excited about at all. And there's not really a lot of future for them to be excited about. So it's like a dark time for Ottawa Senators fans. Shout out to our boy Micah, who is a Sens fan. And I feel for him. And yeah. So back to Brian's question, since he's the only one that asked them, which, you know, you guys do better with the questions. Um, Brian asks, thoughts on Hack putting JVR, Patrick, and Voracek on the same line at the start of camp? So this is something that um, when I read about it in Charlie's report on the first day of camp, um, yeah, that's going to be a fun line to watch. I hope it sticks together, and I, I don't know why it wouldn't. Um, it's the logical second line for this team to have after Couturier, Giroux, and hopefully Travis Konechny. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because we saw at the end of last season, you know, the real Nolan Patrick, which is, you know, super dynamic and a really good playmaker and a really good play driver. So having JVR, who is obviously a known scorer on his wing, um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think that line is going to score a lot of goals, which is a big deal because the biggest problem that the Flyers have had over the last couple of years is kind of a significant drop-off in point production after that top line. So the second line being better means that the third line is going to be better because you've got a guy like Wayne Simmons getting pushed down to the third line. If he's back to form, that's going to be a pretty good third line. So I think that this season we're really going to see some solid depth at forward on this team. And that's something we haven't seen in a while. And I think that's something that we should all be very excited about um, because it's, you know, good stuff. Let's see. And Brian had one more question. Is Vorobiev the favorite for the 3C? So <clears throat> this was also something um, that I found interesting in – Charlie's report. Charlie's getting a lot of play in this video today, which is fine because Charlie rules. Um, but one of the things that was interesting to note is that, so Charlie made it a point to point out that when the coaches put together pairings and lines to run drills and do things in these kinds of camp, um, they tend to put roster guys together, bubble guys together, guys who are definitely not going to make the roster together. And it was interesting because it appeared that Vorobiev was being treated more as a roster bubble guy um, than Taylor Lear was. And Taylor Lear obviously has already seen NHL time, um, you know, a, a pretty significant amount of NHL time. So it was interesting to note that Vorobiev seems to be getting more of a look than Taylor Lear at this camp, um, which I'm kind of into because, I mean, Taylor Lear's fine, um, but he is just, I feel like he's kind of just like a, a replacement level NHL player. Like there's nothing really special about Taylor Lear. Um, but I think Misha has the potential to be a very solid 3C. Um, and if not the 3C, a very, very solid 4C, um, definitely a better option than Yuri Laterra. So it is interesting that it would appear that the coaching staff is considering 
Vorobiev as a bubble player who is actually competing for a spot on this team um, because that's something that I think that a lot of us would like to see, at least him get a, a shot at it. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that this is also something that I read from Charles. Um, they really are giving jo Jordan wheel, like Jordan wheel at this point, the three C spot is really his to lose. Um, Apparently on the first day of camp, since Couturier is still nursing that injury, uh, Jordan Wheel was playing first line center the first day of camp. So they are really pushing for him to get that job. Um, it should be noted that Ron Hextall saw quite a lot of Jordan Wheel at center when he was on the, uh, the Kings farm team. Um, so this isn't like a new thing. We've only seen Jordan Wheel play wing, really. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've kind of known all summer that Ron Hextall wants Jordan Wheel to be the third line center on this team. Um, and it would appear in camp that that's exactly what they're trying to, to make happen. They're giving Jordan Wheel the room to do what he needs to do to earn that spot. And it's, I mean, it's his to lose it, unless someone severely outplays him or unless he absolutely blows it. I think that Jordan Wheel is going to be the third line center on this team. Um, I personally don't love it. Um, it's not that I, I don't think that Jordan Wheel um, can be an effective third line center. I just would rather... I'd rather something else. Um, I like him at wing. It's like a per, just a personal thing. I don't I don't really know. Um, but yeah, so so I don't think we got any more questions from Twitter. Let me take a look here. Uh, doesn't look like it, which is cool because you guys have been asking some stuff here in the chat. Hi, Jake. I know you're at camp. I hope you're having a good time. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So let's talk a bit about, so like I said a couple of minutes ago, Charlie pointed out quite astutely that they're mushing these guys together into groups that are kind of reflective of where they are, um, like on the depth chart. And to, I think, the chagrin of most of us, it would appear that Christian Foline, Folin, Folin, whatever, I refuse to learn how to properly say his name because I don't want to acknowledge his existence at the moment. Um, it would appear that he is being considered ahead of Phil Myers on the defense depth chart. So Folin was paired with Provorov on the first day of camp, which would seem to indicate that the coaching staff in the front office consider him to be a roster lock and TJ Brennan and Phil Myers who are paired together are the bubble guys. Um, which I mean like, okay, so we, we, we all knew going in that Phil Myers was going to have to make the team. Like he, he wasn't a lock. He wasn't on the roster. So he was going to have to make the team. But after that rookie game, the prospect game against the Islanders, and the fact that he had a, from what I understand, very dominant um, rookie camp, it's kind of annoying to me that a guy like Christian Foling, who is like nobody, is more of a guaranteed lock for the roster than Phil Myers. So I guess the likelihood, I mean, if, if Myers outplays Foling, then Myers is going to make that sixth spot and push falling into the press box because the thing to remember is that they're not going to put Phil on the press box as a seven. Um, he's either going to play or he's going to go down to the fans. So I'm hoping that he continues to kick a lot of ass because I am completely uninterested in ushering in a Christian falling era with the Philadelphia Flyers. I've been super high on Phil Myers since they signed him and I am ready for that kid to make the team. Like he is enormous and fast and good. And I'm like, 
I want that on my defense. Like, I don't want to mess around with these interim guys anymore. I don't want to, like, come on, like, just bring me the good kids. I'm going to be shouting that a lot this year. I know I will be. Um, okay, I'm going to scroll back through your comments here and see what we would like to talk about. Over under on Limblom netting five points. That's a good one. I'm going to say over. No, well, mm, I'm going to say under. I think he gets 30. Easy. 35, I think, would be an extremely good year for him. Um, yeah. It depends on, I mean, I guess it depends on, uh, obviously, like, there's no reason why he shouldn't be on the third line, right? Like, at all. But, Dave, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, if he's on a third line with, you know, Wheel and Simmons, I think 30 is a very reasonable expectation for him. Um, so I'm going to go under, but I'm going to say that I could be wrong, and I'm hoping that I'm wrong, but I think it's going to depend on how he's used. Um, but I think 30 is a super fair expectation. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about Morgan Frost a little bit. Um, so I don't think there's any chance that he's making this team. Um, but I also don't understand why it's such a foregone conclusion. Um, simply because when he was really lighting it up in juniors last season, the knock that we heard against him by the front office was that he's too small for the NHL. He can't play against NHL competition because he doesn't have NHL size. But it would appear that someone has been making some progress with his gains, and he is a bigger boy now. Um, so I just, I, it annoys me a bit that there doesn't seem to be any room for him to crack this roster as a foregone conclusion. There were those comments by Chris Pryor um, a few weeks back that were pretty much like, yeah, no, no way. He's not making the team. And for, you know, the assistant GM to come right out and say, nope, no way, not happening. Um, when a kid is like absolutely dominant in juniors and went ahead and put on the weight that you said that he needed, like at least give him a shot to crack the roster. Like, I don't, I understand that you don't really want a guy like Morgan Frost playing fourth line minutes. Um, but again, I think that kind of that kind of thinking, I, I just wish it would die on this team. Like the idea that your fourth line needs to be a grind line that only plays a few minutes a night, that it's only there to like fill the gaps while the first and second line are resting. Like rolling four really good lines seems like a good thing to me. Um, and for some reason, this team is still stuck with the idea that lines have definitions and there are roles on each of these lines and rather than populate a team with the 12 best forwards we have to fill the roles that we have decided exist and because Morgan Frost isn't a fourth line grinder he's a dynamic goal scorer well that doesn't fit on the fourth line so we've got to go ahead and send it back to junior which in my mind is extremely stupid and I know a lot of people disagree with me but if I was running an NHL hockey team I would want to roll the four best lines possible. Fuck a roll. I don't really care that much about minutes because he's going to be getting NHL minutes. Like it's, it's, a, it frustrates me. Anyway, let's see. Does Hack roll the dice and pair Travis and Phil together until AMAC comes back? Probably not. Um, I don't know if he would put two rookies together, even though, I don't really think of Travis Sanheim as a rookie anymore. I'm thinking Hack probably does. Um, that would be a fun. That would be a fun pair though. Like if we had Provorov, Ghost, Sanheim, Myers, and then you know, trash poop, trash poop on the third. Well, Robert Haig, who's not not trash poop. Um, Haig Gudas as the third pair. Oh, that sounds fun. I don't think it'll happen, but it sounds super fun, right? Um, let's see. Let's see. 
So Lawton. So Lawton is uh, playing wing on, I think, I forget. Well, yeah, he's not playing center in camp. So I think, I, I mean, I don't know why they hate Scott Lawton at center. And I don't know why they don't consider him a viable option for the third line center, because I think he'd be great at it. Um, but it would appear that the team does not like think that that's where he belongs. So I think it's like a thing. It's one of those things that like, even though we all disagree with it and we all think it's stupid, um, we just kind of have to accept at this point and like move on with our lives and discuss other things because it's like, it's like Andrew McDonald. Like we all think he's bad and he should play third line minutes, but the team obviously doesn't think so. So we can talk about it until we're blue in the face, but nothing's going to change. So yeah. Let's see. With expansion pushback year, this means no, oh God, Andrew, folks, I'm not talking about the expansion draft. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it until I know when it's going to happen, until I know what the rules are going to be, until I know who's going to be on the team when it happens. It's like such a fruitless conversation. It's just speculation. We literally have no idea when it's going to happen, and we have no idea what the rules are going to be, and we have no idea who is going to be on the flyers when it happens. So like making yourself insane about, oh my God, how are we going to protect Morgan Frost in an expansion draft if he comes up this year? Like, why are we talking about this? It's not a thing. None of those things are things. So there's just like no reason to talk about it. So I'm ignoring your question, Andrew. Sorry. Jake is saying that in person, uh, Twar Twarinski looks really good, which is, that's actually cool because, you know, he's another one of those guys who I don't think gets thrown into the conversation a lot. Um, in my mind, he's the kind of guy who is probably too good to be on the Phantoms, but is not good enough to crack the flyers ahead of some of the other kids that we have, which in my mind makes him very good trade bait. So... Maybe that's something to think about as we head into the season, if we need to, you know, fill up somewhere else. Let's see. Hey, Mike Deej. When do you think Myers will be called up? Well, I'm laboring under the assumption that Phil Myers is going to make the team. So I'm going to say that Phil Myers is going to be called up uh, in October. <laughs> um, I just don't, I don't see any, like, given what we have seen from him in camp and in the exhibition game up to this point, I find it incredibly hard to believe that he's not going to outplay Christian Foley in training camp and in the preseason games. I, I don't think it's possible. That being said, if he outplays him, that doesn't mean that Hackstall is going to play him. So I don't really know, but I, I'm going to say that opening night, Phil Myers is on this roster because that's what I want. So I'm just going to put it out to the universe and let it come back to me. Yeah, Sam Moran, Samuel Moran is not going to be a part of this team until probably halfway through the season. So nothing to worry about there for the moment. Let's see. Kyle is asking, at Hack's presser, someone asked about system changes, and Hack kind of skirted the idea. Do you think the team needs to make wholesale system changes or just tweaks allowing creative freedom? So, okay, obviously the, the penalty kill needs a wholesale system change. What they have been doing is not working and it's nothing to do with personnel um, because the personnel has changed and nothing has gotten better. So that I think we've all accepted that, you know, everybody loves Ian LaPerriere but he's not a good penalty kill coach. So that needs a wholesale change. Um, the five on five thing is interesting because if we, so, okay, I don't like Dave Haxel and I don't want him to coach this team. So let's just start there baseline. Um, however, if we think back to the first, the first part of his tenure here, that first half season, um, the Flyers were actually playing kind of a more run-and-gun, offensive-minded system than they did his second year when we all really started to hate him. And there was a lot of speculation about the fact that the perimeter shots and the 
really conservative play and the lack of creativity had to do with the fact that Haxall didn't trust his goalies and didn't think that the team was talented enough to take a lot of chances. Possible. Um, because, again, this season, I think we saw, as much as I hate to admit it, um, a little bit more of a progression away from that whole perimeter shot nonsense, that real conservative style. So, I mean, I'm going to... I'm going to give Dave a shot this season with a roster that is either by addition or subtraction better than last season. I'm going to let him show me that he can let this team be fun and score goals and, and play the kind of hockey that I think they're capable of playing. So yeah, I think that the creative freedom thing is a is a big deal because that was something that, like, when he benched Ghost, it would have appeared to be because he didn't like the fact that Ghost uh, took a lot of chances. He's got to let these kids, these really talented players, he's got to let them take chances. So hopefully he does. Um, if he does, I think we're going to see good things. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see. Let's see, let's see. Did Neuvert tweak or pull something yet? I don't think so, but, I mean, any day now. Um, will goalies Elliott and Newby say healthy this year? Um, I mean, Brian Elliott has certainly shown over the course of his career that he is very capable of staying healthy for an entire NHL season. Michael Neuvert, on the other hand, is made of glass and bird bones and will almost likely be hurt at some point, um, which means that... Depending on what's going on in the AHL, we have a chance to get, you know, another extended look at Alex Lyon, or if things are really spicy, a little look at Carter Hart. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, if Michael Neuvert stays healthy for an entire season, I'll, like, climb to the top of the Wells Fargo Center and throw a watermelon off the top of it because I just don't believe there's any way that's going to happen. Let's see. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. Okay, so that's uh, all the questions. Damn it. You guys are going to make me think of stuff to talk about. It's outrageous. Um, I know what we can talk about. Let's talk. Let's take it away from uh, regular training camp and go back a bit to rookie camp. Um, what was cool about this year's rookie camp, I think, is that uh, there were a lot of guys who were pretty much just like, yeah, um, we're not really rookies. We're NHL players playing with a bunch of kids, and we're going to show you how good we are. Um, most notably, I think Oscar Lindblom proved very definitively that he is, at this point, an NHL player. Um, he absolutely crushed it in the rookie game. Ended up with five points and a hat trick, which is, like, you know, pretty good. Um, Maddie put together a list of the five most remarkable players from rookie camp. Uh, it was Lindblom, uh, Phil Myers, Vorobiev, Carter Hart, and I'm blanking on her fifth one. Myers, Vorobiev, Hart, Lindblom. And guy number five, <laughs> I'm forgetting. I'm sorry, I'm the worst. Um, my brain is like a sieve. I'm going to look it up, though. Anywho, but the thing that I think is interesting about that list of the, of the five best players um, in rookie camp <clears throat> is that, I mean, the four that I'm remembering <laughs> off the top of my head, those are all guys that could legitimately – I mean, I, I guess Carter Hart is a bit of a stretch. But those are guys that really could legitimately make the NHL roster at some point this season, if not right out of the gate. So it's like we've all been waiting a long time. Oh, hold on. I pulled up the article so I can tell you guys who number five was. Lindblom. It was Lindblom. 
Myers. Uh, Lindblom, Myers, Vorobiev. Oh, Morgan Frost, duh. Um, yeah, so all five of those guys, it's not a stretch to say that they can make the NHL roster at some point this season. And we've all been waiting a while, as I was saying. We've all been hearing this like, oh, we're two years away from being two years away. I think the fact that at this point, rookie camp is made up of guys who are no longer question mark prospects and are more guaranteed NHL players at some point, I think is a real strong indication that we are in fact turning that corner this season. That at this point we're getting away from, we're almost there, we're building towards something, we've got a lot of prospects, things are going to get there, and we're getting to the point where we are there. And I think that Hextall signing JVR is a strong indication that the front office agrees. Um, yeah, so I, I think that this season, I know it's hard to get excited about a team that was as average as the Flyers were last season. I know a lot of people have fallen out of love with the Flyers as an organization because they've been bored by them. But I really, really believe that this season is going to be super exciting. Um, I really think they're turning a corner. I think we're going to see kids more than we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, I think that at this point, Dave Hextall and Ron Hextall, both of their hands are going to be forced by the development of these prospects to play them. They're not going to be able to get away from it anymore. And that's going to make for some very exciting hockey. And there's no reason to believe that this team won't be a, a playoff team and be a team that can actually make some noise in the playoffs. Like, I think a lot of things would have to go wrong for this to be a disappointing season. So I think it's time that we start getting pumped up about it. Okay. Frank Zafiro asks, Lavi got fired three games in with a great system and not enough of the right players to make it work. Hack has a system with great players who are hampered by it. So how long is a leash on Hack? How long should it be? So here's the thing, fam. Um, Dave Hackstall let his team get to a 10 game losing streak and firing him wasn't even on the table. Like he, I don't, I really don't think, I, I think that the only way that he would get fired is if this season is an absolute tire fire. If we go long stretches of losing again, if somehow this team doesn't make the playoffs, if they do make the playoffs and they're like swept in four really disappointing one-sided games, maybe Dave Haxall loses his job. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I think that Ron Hextall, for better or for worse, believes in this guy. And like I said, we have, as much as I hate to admit it, we've seen flashes of Dave Haxtell allowing good players to play good hockey. And if he gets back to that, we should be okay. That being said, um, this is something that we talked about on Broad Street Hockey Radio last week, I think, that NHL coaches don't have a long shelf life in this league anymore. And Dave is going on four years. And that's about, that's a pretty long stint with a single team. So if his leash is getting short, this is the year that it would get short. But I really think that things would have to go terribly wrong for there to be even a chance that he would lose his job. If this team, this team is, it's a very, it's a talented roster now. And I think that he's going to have to work really hard to fuck that up. And if he does, maybe then he'll lose his job. But I think the talent on this team is going to be able to overcome any of his dumb decisions. Um, he doesn't have a lot of his toys anymore. So yeah, I don't, I don't, at this point, him getting fired is just not, it's not a thing that's going to happen. Cheryl Fazio says, I think Nolan Patrick is going to have an outstanding season this year. Me too. Um, we've talked about it a lot at Broad Street Hockey. The fact that first half of the season, Nolan Patrick was not Nolan Patrick. 
second half of the season, Nolan Patrick, that's the guy. And uh, he was pretty damn good on the back half of last season. And I think that's what we're going to see out of the gate, if not better. Um, so, yeah, I, I like to think that this is the season that is going to make the New Jersey Devils regret not taking Nolan Patrick with that number one overall pick. Without having a playoff caliber goalie, what makes anyone think that it's going to be the – okay, so here's the thing. That's from Dean Nicholas. Um, what is a playoff caliber, go caliber goalie? I don't know why I can't say that word. What is that? Because what it is, like, really is, like, a league average goaltender. Like, very rarely do you see a big-name goaltender as – the guy in the playoffs. Like, Antti Niemi has, like, two cups. Is he a playoff caliber goalie? No, he sucks. Um, you know, Pekka Rene won the Vezina, and what did he do in the playoffs? Shit the bed. Um, yeah, so here's the thing. If Brian Elliott can be solid, can be steady and good and make the saves that allow a team to remain in the game, um, then we're fine. I truly do not believe that you need anything more than a league average goaltender with a good team in front of him to make a lot of noise in today's NHL. Um, I mean, you know, carry price fam. Like you don't, you don't need it. It's just not a requirement. What would the worst case injury scenario for this year be? And how long for it to be season threatening? Um, that's from Bob Clifford. I don't know what you mean. I mean, obviously any of our big names getting hurt is worst case. Um, if Brian Elliott goes down and Michael Neuvert has to start and then he gets hurt, that would be pretty bad. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I don't know. If, I mean, if any of the big names go down for any significant amount of time, that's obviously going to put a pretty big damper on the season. So here's hoping that doesn't happen. Tom Delaney asked, did I just hear you correctly? You now like Hack as a coach? No, I do not. However, I'm an extremely reasonable human being, and I'm willing to allow him to win me over. He hasn't yet, but maybe he will. Um, let's see. Which young goalie will break out this year? Um, I don't know. So, I, I mean, a lot of it's, first of all, going to depend on one of our guys getting hurt, which, like, you know, is a thing we don't want to happen. It would be very nice if both Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert could go an entire NHL season without getting hurt. That would be cool. Um, However, if they do, we're going to see one of Alex Lyon. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm working under the assumption right now that, and this isn't set in stone, but I'm just assuming that the, the tandem in Lehigh Valley is going to be Alex Lyon, Carter Hart. Um, so a lot of who we see, I mean, obviously right now, Alex Lyon is the guy that would get called up if an injury happened with the Flyers for obvious reasons. Um, that's a good thing because first of all, we know that he's a capable NHL backup. He played well when he was up the flyers last season. And then also it would give Carter Hart starter time in the AHL, which is good because Carter Hart needs to get some reps against pro hockey players. So, um, that's the most likely scenario. However, there's a chance that Carter Hart given who we know that he is, could absolutely crush it in the AHL, steal the starting job from Alex Lyon, and end up being the first call-up in the event of an injury, which means that we would see Carter Hart get some reps against NHL talent if he had to start a game because there was a lengthy injury or something. So that would be super cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know if if Alex Lyon is going to break out, I mean, I don't know how much better Alex Lyon is going to be than what we saw last season, which was, you know, a very fine NHL backup. Um, 
but yeah, there is a chance that Carter Hart like really kills it in the AHL and, and that would obviously be a breakout. How many goals for JVR this season? 27, 27 goals. Write that down, somebody. Do I worry about Coots' recent re-injury to his knee becoming a problem in the regular season? Um, I mean, it is a bit worrisome that he keeps hurting that same knee. Uh, but apparently he's going to be wearing a brace full-time, which should give him a little bit more stability there. Um, and also, you know, he's being tended to by the best trainers and doctors in the world, pretty much. Um, so you have to hope that they would be working very hard to ensure that this isn't an ongoing problem. It's definitely something that I think that, it, you know, it's reasonable to worry about. Um, but the fact that he didn't actually re-injure the same injury, it's like a different spot on his knee. I mean, I don't know if that's better, but I, I, I don't know. I do worry about it, but it, it's not like a front of the mind worry. It's more of like a back of the mind maybe that'll be a problem thing. But I, I think um, Dr. Jake, who is one of ours at Broad Street Hockey, he seems to think that he's indicated that wearing the brace is something that should help him. So I'm, I'm going to hope that that does help. Will the power play or penalty kill improve this year? I think the power play will be better because I think the second unit is going to be markedly improved. Um, the penalty kill really can't get worse. <laughs> so I'm assuming it'll get better because it, it was so bad that they can't really go anywhere but up. So yeah, let's say yes to both of those things. What is going to happen to Simmons? Good season. Will he be resigned? Um, I don't know, man. So like, it's, it's so hard to judge because the thing is like Wayne Simmons plays the kind of game and is at the age where you would expect that his his play is going to fall off um, just because of wear and tear on his body and the fact that he's getting older. But we don't really know if he's falling off because he was hurt for the entirety of last season. So last season, like, I, I don't know how to judge. I don't know. I'm going to have to see how he looks when he gets back because last season he was hurt the entire season, which is on him. Like, he should have – had surgery at the beginning of the season, taking the time to heal, and then maybe played, you know, a pretty solid back half, but instead he was hurt for the entire year. So I have no idea if Wayne Simmons' play is falling off a cliff because he's old, or if it was just that he's hurt. That being said, as much as I like him, I don't want him to resign here because it's either going to... I mean, I okay, so if he were to sign a two-year contract with a high cap hit that I would be okay with, but I think he's going to want term and also money. And he's earned both of those things because he's been playing on a very cheap contract and he's been playing very well. So he's definitely earned a raise, but like, I don't want to be the one to give it to him because at some point he is going to fall off a cliff and I don't, I don't want to have him around when that happens. So I don't know. It sucks that we couldn't trade him at the deadline last year because if he had been playing like normal Wayne Simmons last year, I think we could have gotten a haul for him at the deadline, but obviously that didn't happen. Let's see. Can we hope that Laterra and Weiss get sent down? No, probably not. I mean, Dale Weiss is just going to be in the press box like he was last year, so who cares? Um, Yuri Laterra. I think Dave probably likes him. So he's probably going to be the 4C. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Start Frost first year as a wing or season one more year as a C? Mm. Mm. I don't know. I hate moving guys out of position. I mean, I guess, it, I mean, obviously it worked with Drew. So maybe I'm an idiot, but um, I would rather he play at center. But I, I really just don't think there's any chance he's going to make the team, like, either way. So he'll probably go back to junior and play center. Are the upgrades at Wells Fargo complete? I don't know. Um, I know some people were there recently and said that it's starting to look really cool. Um, 
I don't know if they're done, but I'm excited to see what it's going to look like when it's done because um, obviously that building hasn't had a facelift in a while. So it'll be cool to see what they've done with it. If the Flyers win the cup in the next three years, will you throw an epic boat party? Yes. There'll be some kind of giant Broad Street hockey party. I can promise you that. Let's see, what else do we have? What would you do with power play units? I'd go GJVR Simmons, Jake Ghost, and then second unit, Patrick Coots, Konechny, Proby Sandheim. I mean, it's hard to argue with any of that. I like that a lot. Um, even though, I, and I know that I'm like way in the minority on this, um, but I, I think I would switch Simmons and Patrick which I know is like a spicy meatball. And I know that even though Patrick played really well in Simmons spot last season, I know people aren't ready to give him that promotion, but I'd do it. Why not? Because worst case scenario, um, it's not great, but Simmons on the second power play unit would make the second power play unit better. Um, best case, Patrick continues to kill it on the first unit and Simmons improves the second unit. So either way, we're good. Like, I don't... I, I just like the idea of giving Patrick as much room to shine as possible, um, especially at the expense of a guy who is, for better or for worse, on his way out. Like, Nolan Patrick is the future of this team. I'd rather give him the opportunity to kill it as much as he can. Um, but, yeah, those two units are pretty good. I mean, I the second unit's got to be better. This It just has to be because there's – like, the personnel is just so much better. It's got to be better. I think it will be. Let's see. <clears throat> I think Weiss and Laterra are going to be beaten out for jobs. I mean, they should be because <laughs> they're not good at hockey. I mean, Dale Weiss wasn't a factor last year, so I don't think he'll be a factor this year. Who should really be 3C? I like Vroby of there and let Frost go to junior and play more at center so we can have him as Patrick as 1-2. What's my unpopular hockey opinion? Mine is Matthews is better than McDavid. Ooh, that is, um, yeah, I don't agree with you there, Brian. But, um, I mean, Austin Matthews is really good, but Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, I think, I mean, this might be an unpopular opinion. I think Connor McDavid now is better than Crosby was when he was in his first few years. I think he's the speed on him is like out of control. I think that he's obviously greatly diminished by the fact that his team is a dumpster fire. Um, but he's like, like I, I, I think that the, the phrase generational talent gets thrown around way too much, but Connor McDavid is in the Wayne Gretzky, Sidney Crosby, Bobby Orr generational talent conversation. Like he's stupid good. And uh, if Edmonton ends up wasting his entire prime by playing him on a team surrounded by pylons and piles of poop, it's going to be a real, it's going to be a real shame. Like we're as a hockey, like a hockey fan community, we are all really losing out by Connor McDavid being on the Edmonton Oilers because they simply don't know what they're doing up there. Let's see. What are my thoughts on Carter Hart this year? Um, my thoughts are that Carter Hart is going to be a backup in Allentown and is, you know, going to get some, like I said, get some reps in against professional hockey players. Um, and I'm assuming have every opportunity to steal the starter job away from Alex Lyon. Um, I like Alex Lyon. I think he's a capable goaltender, but he's not on Carter Hart's level. So if Carter Hart gets some starts and is just lights out, I don't know why he wouldn't steal the job from Alex Lyon. So um, I think it's going to be interesting because, as we all know, goalie prospects are weird and their progression often doesn't make any sense. Um, 
So, you know, it's going to be fun to see what Carter Hart does against professional hockey players because we haven't seen it yet. So hopefully he lives up to all of our expectations. All right, I'm going to take a couple of more questions here before we wrap up. Oh, there aren't any more questions. Well, yeah, so we're getting into hockey season, you guys. Um, summer always feels super long and boring, August especially. But as soon as you get in September, man, things start happening. Teams are making crazy trades. The Flyers are on the ice. We've got stuff happening. There's like actual games here in the next couple of days. Preseason games, but, you know, games nonetheless. Um, so, yeah, Denny is asking, is Bill going to do a post-game for preseason games? I don't know, maybe, if he feels up to it. Um, I don't think we'll have post-games for every game. Um, certainly, probably not the ones that aren't on TV, because I don't think they're all on TV. Um, but, you know, sometimes Bill's feeling saucy, and he wants to hop on Facebook and do a little something with you guys. So there's a possibility that he might do some post-games. I do know that we'll be doing post games for every single Flyers game as the season kicks off in October. So we all have that to look forward to. Um, we'll also have our pregame stuff where we ask questions with the, um, the other SB Nation blogs about what to expect from games. Um, so that'll be super fun. I think, yeah, it's going to be a really fun season. There's like, like I said, this is the year that we're going to turn the corner. This is the year that we're going to go, I think, from potential to actuality. Um, and yeah, it's, this is something we've been waiting for for a long time. Flyers fans, I think, forget that we haven't had a lot of suffering as a fan base. Um, years without the playoffs are few and far between. Years when this team is actually bad are few and far between. We've had a rough couple of years where things have looked a little boring and bad. But it's turning around and we've got a lot to be excited about. And so I think that uh, all of us collectively are going to have a lot of fun this year. So thanks for hanging out with me on Saturday morning scrambles today, September 15th. And yeah, it's going to be a fun hockey season. You guys, let's just all get like positive and excited and you know, it's going to be good. <laughs> all right, guys. Enjoy your Saturday. Have a great weekend. Let's go Flyers. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.